We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to bring me aboard. Permission to come aboard. Welcome to the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's D.A. Welcome to the freshest edition of the Permission Granted Podcast, everybody. And fresh will be an operative word today. Of course, you can get the PGP available on its own iTunes feed. So go there, subscribe, and get all the PGPs just stacked on your iTunes, which is awesome. Also, we always tweet it out. DA on CBS is my Twitter handle. It's always on our Facebook page in video form as well. Video form by going to facebook.com slash the DA show. It's available on the normal iTunes feed that you get the, the DA show on, full episode to the show normally. And then also it's available on our website, daoncbs.com. Just click on the audio tab. Coming up a little bit later, uh, Mraz, uh and I will discuss the upcoming interview. You by now know that Mraz loves Chipotle like a like a family member, and I have been turned off by Chipotle and have waged a little bit of a jihad against them because I always loved it, and it turned its back on me and gave people E. coli poisoning, diseased, vomit-inducing burritos. So, and in 12 states, it wasn't like one place got it. So uh, I have turned my back on Chipotle, and I've tried to go back, and eat it, and it just hasn't been nearly as good. I think because the turnover is not as good, so the the meat and the beans is sitting there a little bit longer, congealing a little bit, and uh, and I've taken my swipes. Mraz is is very upset at me. We had the epic Chipotle rant. I will die without those burritos. I will drop dead that Mraz had. And uh, we've been going back and forth with Chipotle's official Twitter handle, which we learned was run by a guy by the name of Shane. So... Why wouldn't we book Shane from Chipotle as our guest in this week's Permission Granted podcast? Shane, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing I'm doing great. It, what is the what is the pressure like on a daily basis to represent Chipotle uh, and Chipotle tweets? I mean, that's that's pretty big stuff there. That's heady stuff. It is, but you know, it's it's also all in good fun. We have an awesome fan base. Uh, obviously, you're not one of them, but you know, I'm gonna con- I'm gonna convince you otherwise, but. Uh, we have a great fan base and a, a lot of really, really passionate uh, folks who love burritos, and it's fun to talk to them all day long. Shane, I used to be a fan. I used to be a fan until 12 states got E. coli from Chipotle. And and, and I understand that. That's that's obviously something that we're working out of, and uh, it's it's def- we've, we've made fundamental changes in the food safety process, and uh, I'm, I'm, you know, kind of tasked with helping to re-educate uh, the customers on all the things that we're doing 
to make sure that our food stays delicious, but they also stay safe. Well, let's face it. I mean, you you are now lifting boulders at this point because there was a lot of national fallout around it. I mean, you're, you're basically uh, equipped to have to uh, defend the Exxon Valdez at this point. This cannot be an easy job for you. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I'm really passionate about what I do. Uh, I, I was, uh, I've been a huge Chipotle fan since long before I worked for the company. Uh, and uh, started working for them actually only about uh, six months ago. And, you know, really kind of got uh, brought into a very volatile situation. And uh, I, it's been a challenge for sure, but uh, I enjoy it. I, I love I love talking, the one-on-one conversations that I get to have with folks like you and Mraz and uh, but all of the other multitude of customers that, that we get to talk to on a daily basis. Were you brought in by Chipotle to do damage control on the E. coli break? No, I came on shortly before that. Oh, um, my goodness. Uh, so that fell right in your lap. Yeah, well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, it's it, it's damage control, customer service. Uh, that's all a part of uh something that a community engagement strategist would do. Uh, you know, a lot of it is is customer care, making sure that people feel like they're listened to and taken care of when uh, issues occur in stores, um, whether it's something as simple as uh, my store doesn't have forks uh, oh. to uh, this store didn't honor the coupon that you said that they would. Right. And uh, so I work both with the customers and with the uh, the restaurants to ensure that everybody is on the same page. So I'm going to bring Mraz in here in, in momentarily because he is your staunchest defender. But let me just give you my side of things. I walked into my first Chipotle in Kansas City, Missouri, because they were not here on the East Coast. And I'm a that's my hometown. There you go. What high school? I'm from the Kansas side, so I went to uh, Blue Valley Northwest. There you go. All right, very nice. Yeah, I was uh, I was in Kansas City working at 610 Sports for. Nice. Oh, from 03 through 08. And so when I first moved out there, we didn't have Chipotle here on the East Coast. And I went out there, and my buddy's like, oh, you're going to move to the Midwest. You'll get Chipotle. So I walked in there, and I was like, oh, my goodness. This is the best burrito I've ever had. And I had my order down. I would go there regularly. I was all about it. I felt like I was getting a decent product with decent quality because you guys were not using GMOs, and you were using uh, grass-fed meats, and you were using you know a lot of the stuff that I, I like to eat. And then... There's the E. coli outbreak, and I'm like, boy, everything that I had founded, you know, my 10 years of loving Chipotle on or more is now kind of out the window because I thought that this was really good quality food I'm getting. So I feel like Chipotle kind of, instead of like a McDonald's or some trash fast food that you know the quality is not very good, Chipotle founded itself. And I don't want to say you guys because you weren't part of the company at the time, but it founded itself on the quality of the food. And then for that to be such an outbreak of like diseased meat, that was... That was difficult to stomach. I mean, literally and figuratively. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And and uh, just as a sidebar, um, not to not to derail you, but did you know uh, this is a fun fun fact that that Kansas City was actually the second city outside of Colorado. Uh, I did not that, know that uh, that Chipotle expanded to. It's true. Wow. It's true. Down on College Boulevard, it was one of the first ones, and then the the one in Westport uh, was the second one. Ooh, the one on College Boulevard was the one I went to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right by uh, right by the uh, uh, corporate woods. Exactly. Yeah, that's where the radio station was. All right. So back to your question slash statement. I, you know, I agree. That's that's the challenge, right? Because 
uh, a, a company that's really hung their hat on uh, quality and um, their approach to food. And, and the truth is, is that hasn't changed. Um, it is certainly a, a much more challenging discussion uh, because uh, because of the things that have happened. But at the same time, that, that has not at all changed our uh, approach to food. You know, our food with integrity uh, principles still remain very much intact, and we are uh, very committed to those. In fact, this weekend I'll be headed out to, uh, to Phoenix to um, the Cultivate Festival, which is, you know, uh, Chipotle puts on three of these festivals a year where they basically have a free to the public festival to kind of help educate folks on why we do things the way, the way that we do and give people the opportunity to, to try our food and to get chef demonstrations. But there's also like great free music and everything like that. So, well, what had to change when you guys went through this? Because <clears throat> we jokingly called it the moment of silence you guys had across all of the Chipotle stores, but mm-hmm. there was, you guys had to shut down and went over uh, cleanliness and whatnot, and uh, and so what is what has had to change to kind of convince uh, customers that uh, that stuff's not going to happen again? Well, you know, I, I think uh, I think the, the the biggest thing is is the things that we've done internally, right? We've done a lot of things to really make sure uh, doing some high resolution testing. When when the incident happened, we actually brought in. Um, uh, a food safety expert out of that was based out of uh, a company in Seattle uh, that that really like assessed uh, food safety procedures at every single level of the company and made recommendations uh, on uh, on the procedures and on the process and and what was what was kind of amazing. I've worked for I've worked for big companies before. Um, you know, Chipotle's got somewhere between fifty and sixty thousand employees if you count all of the uh, account of the crew members is, you know, the, the sweeping speed with which, uh, those, those changes were made to make things better was, was something that was, I was, I was still pretty new to the company when it happened. It was fascinating to me. I couldn't believe how quickly they managed to address that. Um, and that's, and, and unfortunately some of that stuff is, is not easy to, um, to communicate because it's a little bit, you know, it's a little nerdy. You know, you talk about high resolution DNA testing and things like that. And people are like, well, what does that mean? And, you know, for me, I've got 140 characters more often than not to explain that. And, uh, you know, for, for us, I think, you know, it's ensuring that people, whether it's, whether it's a period of time that people feel like, you know, there haven't been any incidents and, and they'll start coming back or whether we're encouraging them to come back through uh, promotions and things like that, that we've been doing, like the one that we did on uh, the 8th of February when we, when we closed down all the stores for, for a few hours. Uh, we, we want people to get back into the habit of coming in and, uh, you know, eating with us to make sure that they feel that it's safe. And uh, that's really what we've, what we've been focusing on and doing. Well, and I know you guys have sent out the coupons because I got them in my neighborhood, free burrito or free chips and, and, and guac or salsa, or whatever, when you come in. So you're trying to encourage people to come back. But was the outbreak uh, of the illnesses or, or the disease or whatever, was that because of tainted meat that went out for a lot of different um, stores for you guys? Or was it all episodes of cleanliness and sanitation once that meat was at your uh, your stores? So... 
and 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 the, the CDC, I think, would probably um, they would they would uh, concur with this. Is unfortunately in in cases of in cases of foodborne illness, and there are millions and millions of cases of foodborne illness per year. Not just not not with us, but with, with restaurants and uh, you know food service places all over the all over the country. Is that more often than not um, with uh, with foodborne illness, unfortunately, um, identifying the, the source and the cause, it can be extremely difficult because by the time that symptoms present themselves, um, the, the food that was the culprit is out of the store, especially in our case when we're dealing with such fresh food. Um, more often than not, um, our food's shelf life in the store isn't very long. And so by the time it's rotated through, you have to think like if somebody reports that they're sick, they go probably to their 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 you know local doctor, and then that has to go to a you know if if it, it's determined that they had some sort of foodborne illness, and they have to go to another person, and then has to make its way up to the just a local chapter of the CDC, and then that goes all the way up to the federal level, and by that point, that food is long gone, and it makes it really really hard to actually find out exactly what it was. And so um, when the CDC closed the case, and that, that happened back in February, uh, end of January, early, early February, um, they, they, they even said, we cannot determine what the, what the source was because, it, because the food was, was gone by the time that the stuff was detected. So it, I, I, can't, I can't comment on that because I, because I truly don't know. So I want to bring Mraz in here. Now, Mraz, your, your biggest fear is that when I criticize Chipotle about my fears of, of these illnesses, uh-huh. you are worried that I'm affecting a large enough por- portion of the, of the consumer base that it will end up uh, doing uh, irreparable financial damage to Chipotle, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to brag about our show, but we do reach over 180 affiliates nationwide. That's a lot of listeners on a daily basis, and you're sitting there planting the idea in the head that chipotle you're scared of and i have to reiterate that there's nothing to be scared of it's been a long time they've taken uh, you know every accountability that long it's It's been been long six months four months six months is long enough taco bell recovered from their e coli the chipotle's the best and just stop bringing it down the place is great and i can't live without it so shane is there uh any is there any worry here uh for chipotle enthusiasts that there could be chains uh their stores closing down First off, Mraz, I freaking love you, guy. You are the best. Thanks for being a, a huge fan, and, and I, I really appreciate it. Thank, um, thank you very the, much, Shane. But the truth is that all day long, uh, much of what I do is is reassure people how safe our food is, and and without kind of boring them with the details, we have a lot of information on Chipotle dot com about what has gone into our changes in the food safety process. And, uh, you know, Steve Ellis, our, our founder, has set a goal. Um, and, it, and it's probably not something that's going to happen overnight. But, but the truth is, is that to, to, set, to, to aim at something like being the safest place to eat in our category, that in and of itself makes that, – that's a message that we want to send that, look, we, we recognize and, and we apologize for, for the incidents that have happened. And we, we apologize to the people who, who were affected by it. But what we are doing now is we are, we are doing, in the same way that we have over the last several years tr- changed the way that 
you know, people approach and think about fast food, we hopefully will be able to change the way that people think and uh, approach food safety because we, we really believe that that much in it and have committed, uh, you know, lots and lots of resources to ensuring the safety of our customers. Now, to shift away from what you termed the quote-unquote incident, I just want to bring Mraz in here because, Mraz, you have an emotional connection to Chipotle. Can you please explain to Shane what that is? Yeah, I mean, Shane, ever since college, I chose my college based on a Chipotle being nearby, and that's always been the thing that got me by, whether it's a week of work or anywhere I've been in my life, I've had a Chipotle close by. And I have figured out in my life that it would probably be easier for me to find another wife, another woman, than it would be to find another burrito to enjoy other than that of Chipotle. I went to Mexico once, and I couldn't wait to get home and have Chipotle because the food stunk in Mexico. I cannot live without it, so I need to be guaranteed that Chipotle will be around forever because, quite frankly— I will die without it. And I've mentioned this on the air. That That's my favorite place to eat. I can't lose Chipotle. It would be like losing you know, my grandmother. But the, here's the thing, Mraz, just to jump in here. Um, what do you think that emotional connection is? I mean, it's not just that you love the burrito. It's no. that you've gone through important times important in your life. Important times, whether it's college, getting through papers, whether it's uh, you know tough weeks of work. That is always Chipotle has always been the sour cream at the end of the rainbow for me. Wow. And I cannot survive life moments. Like anytime there's hardship... Chipotle is where I turn, wow. and I just need to ensure that that will always be there for me because I cannot survive if Chipotle does not survive. I'm a big fan of that metaphor, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I- I'll tell you what, you know, I- Mraz is not by is- he's not alone. Is that is that is very indicative of of our core of our core customer. You know, there's a- in fact, what I will tell you is, before I worked for Chipotle, that was me, um, and still is. I- you know. You would think that working for, for Chipotle that I would get sick of eating there, but I still eat there three to four times a week. Um, and what's it's a combination of things, I think. I think it's a lot about, you know, being able to count on uh, the, the, the flavor and the quality that you're going to get. But also, I think it's, it's that, um, that feeling of camaraderie. Like, I, I, I feel like I could, like, go up to Mraz and hug him and, you know, we would know each other because we're both, we're both kindred spirits when it comes to burritos. Uh, and there is, uh, an amazing, uh, amount of community around the people who, who love the brand. Uh, they, they believe in it and, uh, they are, uh, committed to it. Um, and, and, and the, the whole thing about choosing your, choosing your college based on it's, it's a uh, distance from a Chipotle that, that happens. I, I get that a lot. Like I, like I, I, I'm on uh, Chipotle's Twitter most days and I, I hear everything from, you know, uh, people who want us to cater their weddings uh, to uh, folks who are wanting to go there for prom and uh, you know, the, the folks who, who go uh, internationally and uh, they, whether it's an international uh, time abroad for college or whatever, and, the, and they are so upset because they didn't plan it out and they should have picked somewhere <laughs> that, <laughs> that had a Chipotle because we've got, you know, a few stores that are international. And, uh, and that in and of itself is, is very similar to, to what Mraz experiences. Oh, it's it's that thing that you can, you can't really put your finger on it specifically, but there's a, there's a sense of community within, that, within the people who believe it. Short, quick question here. How many hours a day do you spend running the Chipotle Tweets Twitter feed? 
Mm, uh, You know, like a normal day, somewhere between eight and nine. And then do you have like an intern uh, takeover after you're done or you just kind of log back on the next day? Um, no, yeah, we, we've got, uh, we have, we have a team covering, uh, covering the, our, what we call the channels, uh, most hours of the day. The Chipotle um, because, channel. Know, <laughs> yeah. So we, we don't, we don't just cover the, the tweets. We also cover Facebook. We cover, um, Chipotle's other, right. other brands, um, like Shophouse, which is in, uh, based in, well, there's one in, there's several in Washington, DC and a few in Chicago and a couple in LA. It's the Southeast Asian concept that they're uh, kind of curating and, and building, right. and then uh, there's a pizza a pizza brand that they're looking at as well. Um, that has you know kind of, there's actually one here in Kansas City, uh, Pizzeria Locale. It started in Boulder and has kind of expanded. So we we we, we watch all of those, and um, we have a whole team of people that kind of rotate through. I'm I'm the the one who's on the most, um, and I, I tend to take the middle of the, the bulk of the day. But uh, we have other folks that come on, and we cover almost all of the hours of the day. Well, Shane, I appreciate you being a good sport. Uh, thanks hey, for joining us. I'm happy to do it. And if you're in New York, I need to get you connected with Mraz because he will, I mean, he'll love you to the day you die. I mean, you guys have <laughs> you guys have a bond here, so you please let us know when you're in the Big Apple, okay? I will I will for sure do that. Thank you, guys. I, appreciate, right. you, uh, I appreciate you taking the time with you me. You got it. Good job. Shane, community engagement a strategist for Chipotle. All right, so Mraz joins me now. Um, I feel like you have a kindred spirit in uh, in Shane. Man, I wish Shane lived in New York because I would hang with Shane all the time. The fact that he said he would hug me and he could not also live without those burritos. Let me be fair. I thought Shane came off really well. He's a great representative for the company um, because he wasn't on the defensive. He wasn't antagonizing. He seemed wasn't- like he tried to speak as honestly as he could from the heart. Yeah, he, was, he wasn't defiant. You, right. you don't want somebody to be defiant or aggressive or combative. He wasn't any of that. Seemed like a generally good guy, and most people from uh, the Kansas City area are just generally great people, so it doesn't surprise me. I will say that uh, one thing didn't pass the sm- sniff test with me. <laughs> I think I know where you're going here. And that is when I asked him, was this uh, poisoned meat? You called it tainted meat, by tainted the way. Tainted meat. Was it tainted meat? <laughs> It's so funny that this is the thing that we as a show have like really dissected. And this is a social cause here. Somebody in America has to do it. (laughs) Um, That the tainted meat, was it uh, poisoned meat that went out to all these stores or was it a lack of cleanliness or sanitation at the stores? He says he doesn't know that they can't tell that the CDC can't even know there's too much turnover, all this stuff fact of the matter is i find it very hard to believe that 12 different stores <laughs> in 12 different states all had a random you know uh, different version you know one but somebody had the lettuce somebody had the sour cream somebody had the chicken well or that there were all these incidents in 12 different states of employees at chipotle like dropping wash- the oven cleaner into it right yes. or not washing their hands or you know uh letting a rat crap in the the, the <laughs> chicken on. thing you know so i think it had to have been a bad batch of food bad batch of meat that went out and got dispersed and then that's what ended up happening which two things and i've been very pro chipotle but i'll i'll, I'll try to be down the middle here for a second okay if you know and you don't want to tell <laughs> us that's one thing but if you really don't know that even scares it's me even a little more, bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you're really saying you don't know, it could have yeah. been, been that. That answer kind of made me pause. Now, listen, nobody's been sick for six months, so I'll still go through. But I don't think that necessarily helped the cause with that answer. Yeah, right. 
Yeah, to be honest, we really don't know. We right. don't know what it was. and uh... Nobody's thrown up in six months, though, so come on back. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Uh, it's so true. Also, him referring to it as the incident, really, <laughs> like like they've dubbed that in the Chipotle headquarters hallways. We're just going to call this the incident, like Watergate. It's just the incident. The incident, like the drive or the fumble. It's right, the right. When they write the book of Chipotle in 70 years, they're going to look back on this thing called the incident. <laughs> Uh, I would also say um, we got a formal apology out of right. Chipotle. Right. I would like to personally apologize on the behalf of Chipotle. I think it was the quote, which I don't think. Now, listen, we've seen a lot of statements on record, whether it be on camera, on audio. I think that's the first apology from Chipotle, which I think is a big deal for our program. That was huge. That's big for us. Right. <laughs> it's really big. Here's one thing I got to call BS on as well. Oh, come on. He was <laughs> and, great. And I like Shane. People want their weddings catered by Chipotle. I believe it. People want their proms at Chipotle. They're, How can you have a prom at a Chipotle? There's some small high schools there are <laughs> Come in the Midwest. On. Come on. Pe- listen. And then people are going across seas to study abroad and going, I wish there was a Chipotle closer. They got us, man. I'm telling you because I'm hooked too. You need your fix. Even if you're not eating it every day, you need your Chipotle <laughs> fix. And listen, who was it? Mike Evans had the Whataburger at his wedding. I'm sure there are people that want Chipotle at their weddings. Well, I, I wouldn't I mind. would just recommend the extra bathroom stalls if you're serving <laughs> that at the wedding. I, you know, a corporate party, a Christmas party, uh, you know, a birthday party. I get it. A uh, family reunion, something like that. Do I want my prom and wedding to be Chipotle? Well, like, you <laughs> see these people all the time. They have the weddings like at Alabama football stadium. You know, people have their <laughs> niches. There are people who love Chipotle who want that. To be part. What if a couple met at Chipotle? You know what I mean? Then that would be a cool idea to Chipotle cater your wedding. I, I guess. I got to sway you here. I love it. And then also, I mean, you're studying abroad. Guess what? The point of studying abroad is not having to eat dumb American food. College kids are idiots, though. <laughs> the whole point is immersing yourself in a different language, not to fall back on dopey American stuff. I told you, though, I went to Mexico. There's nothing dopey about Chipotle. It is the most authentic Mexican food you will eat in the world. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. I don't even know how much more time we have left to. to we have be able like to two minutes. I don't mean, here. boy, can we even get into anything else other than Chipotle madness has taken over? I here. thought we were going to get into the Chris Moore. Uh, we're going to have to keep teasing this here. Rip job on Well, me luckily, last week. it's still going on yeah, on Twitter. Apparently, it's never going to end. Right, where he's digging his heels in here uh, with the Steph Curry stuff I keep uh, seeing. Come on. You know, Chris Moore wants to insist. That the NBA playoffs are not interesting until we get to the NBA finals and that everything has basically been decided because it's going to be Cavs and Warriors. And that's why he wasn't going to talk about them last week when he filled in for me, which is utterly ridiculous because in April, there's millions of people watching these games. Right. Outside of the NFL playoffs, it's the single biggest sports story to ignore them or avoid them because you're not interested in them or you think that they're already complete is selfish and dumb. It's just it's like one of the dumbest tacks you can take. So anyway, with Steph Curry getting injured, clearly this throws a huge question right. mark into it. And you have no idea if the Warriors will survive the second round. And They have become interesting now. And the whole playoffs are extraordinarily interesting. And he is digging his heels and insisting, nope, it's not interesting. I don't care. He's pot committed, bro. He's got to really? dig his heels in. I mean, so now we're going. I almost have more respect for him now that he's really dug the heels in at you. Because the the opinion the opinion it's it's so lame. It's so lame. Like, well, I still don't think the Cavaliers can be beat. And I never said it was without Steph Curry. 
Well, now there is no Steph Curry, so the right. world changed. These have to be interesting again. You almost need the Warriors to not win an NBA Finals here to win your to improve your point. The point's already been made because— I understand, but that'll further back your point. You know what I mean? Well, let's even say that the Warriors uh, win the NBA Finals. Let's say they beat the Spurs in seven. Mm-hmm. They beat the Clippers in six, and they beat uh, the Cavs in six. There will obviously be moments over the next two months that are interesting. Where they sweat it out because they're not sweeping everybody. Well, and we'll have to talk about that. I mean, it's not like you just get to not talk about the sport that's happening because you're not interested in it. Well, see, that that was my problem. I actually agree that I didn't think – I don't think the first round of the NBA players were interesting. It does become a Steph Curry, but that doesn't mean you don't talk about them. Your take could be, I don't find them interesting and take calls on that. Don't – I'm not going to talk about it because I don't find it interesting. Well, it's self – Make that a take. It's self-defeating to be a sports talk host and not – be in tr- interested in sports. Then why are you doing it? But then don't bring up golf in the second segment. <laughs> <laughs> what? If you're not interested in anything happening, why are you employed in this industry? That's why we got to vote for Mraz. We got to start pushing it. Well, I think this is the backbone of the vote for Mraz plat- platform because if we're going to have a fill-in host that doesn't find the NBA playoffs interesting, then why don't we have a host like you that might not have the experience, but at least we'll be engaged in the sports that everybody's watching. Again, this is not going to be like the surfing league. It's not going to be like, uh, you know, uh, the World Series of Poker. Millions of people will be watching these games, so you have to be able to talk about them. 100%. I agree. But he's digging his heels in, so if you want to check it out at More to Say on Twitter and DA on CBS, they've had quite the back and forth. You got Kenny Brock coming up to lay waste to the Eagles, huh? Yeah, you know, I was going to give James Ward a run here with the Ward's winners. Joe D, we had on last week, and then I thought about it. You know what? Our overnight listeners probably miss a little Kenny Brock. Those who weren't with us necessarily on the overnight have heard Kenny Brock referenced. He is as blue-collar an Eagle fan as they come. And on top of that, he was our college football guru on the show for two. So it just made sense here with the draft and the Eagles trading up. And I've seen his tweets, and I know he is ticked off about the Eagles trading up. So Kenny Brock, without being live on a show, likes to let things fly, and I think this is going to make for a very interesting side B. This is a great PGP. This is number 88, the PGP with Shane from Chipotle answering the questions I need answered about the incident and Kenny Brock shredding the Eagles. Side B happens now. All right, welcome into Side B of the Permission Granted Podcast, a NFL Draft Week edition of the Permission Granted Podcast. I am the executive producer of the DA show, Sean Mraz. And instead of being joined by Joe D or James Ward, one of the two associate producers of the DA show, we're going to be joined by former associate producer of the DA show, a long-awaited ter- uh, return, a man who was host inside B from me from the get-go on this Permission Granted podcast, Kenny Brock. And the reason I wanted to bring in Kenny, uh, for those of you who have been with us since the overnight, you know his deal. Big-time Philly fan. Uh, before Ward's winners, there was Brock's locks. He was the big-time college football guy. Studies this draft stuff. He's over at the CBS Sports Network now, I'm sure, getting ready for a lot of draft prep. And Kenny joins us here. Kenny, welcome aboard. Mraz, what's happening? I appreciate you wanting to, you know, bring someone on who can actually inform the listeners on stuff instead of Joe D and Ward, who Whoa. couldn't be more lost on the situation. Whoa, taking <laughs> shots at my guys. <laughs> well, Joe D at least. I heard about his little rant a couple months back about Kenny's gone, leave it alone. Like Joe D, you could never fill my shoes. Okay, so Kenny <laughs> Kenny has come out swinging here on side B. Uh, that'll be noted for Joe, and I'm sure Joe will uh, have to take that like a man. But uh, Brodsky, uh, yeah, as much of a man as he can at his height. Oh boy, a lot of shots. You know, I got to stick up for Jody. That's currently my guy. I can't have you stepping all over him here. 
that's fine. I'll step all over. All right. Well, listen, Brock. I know you. You know these. You know, I know you know all these first round picks inside and out. You've been all over this draft stuff, but specifically, you as a Philly guy with the Eagles. The yeah. news last week of the Eagles trading up into the number two slot yeah. to probably take Carson Wentz, and I saw you tweet immediately, AK Brock Jr., a gif of essentially what was it? One of the Care Bears just jumping in front of a bus. I, <laughs> I'm going to take that that you're not a fan of this move from a Philadelphia standpoint. I'm not a fan of this offseason at all for the Eagles. I think they've done like some pretty good things, but I tweeted earlier today that Howie Roseman is power drunk right now, and he said, I said that he's as power drunk as I was drunk on Saturday. Well, that's, I'm that's better decisions, and right, I was that, pretty torched on Saturday. I would imagine that's so. very drunk knowing you. Extremely drunk. Uh, thank you. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't understand what the they're doing. Uh, Howie's just, honestly, Howie's basically, he's pissed off that he got quote unquote demoted last year when Chip was there and he didn't have any kind of control and Chip did his own thing, even though supposedly Howie had his fingers interlocked with some shit. And now he's coming back in and he's, you know, basically just trying to have a pissing contest and with Chip and Chip's not even around. Are you kidding me that they're trading this many draft picks for Carson Wentz? I mean, have you seen Carson Wentz play? I have not. I can honestly say I have not. I've seen him play once. I saw him play in the national championship for one double A two years ago because my cousin plays for Towson, played for Towson, and they were playing North Dakota State in the the Bison in the championship. So obviously I was all in on that game. I couldn't tell you one throw that that guy made, and I'm supposed to believe that we're going to trade up to the number two spot for this guy, and he's going to be the future of the franchise? Get the out of here, Howie. Well, now, that... if you're trading up for now, if you're going to tell me they're trading up for uh, for Jalen Ramsey at number two. I'm all in. Howie's a genius. But if they draft Carson Wentz, I'm so far out on the Eagles, it's not even a joke. What I love about the answer you just gave me is you're really pulling back the layer on, on what I think a Philly, many Philly fans feel, and you're never going to hear the, the tirade you just went on on Sports Talk Radio because you would have been dumped right away. So obviously right. I had to bleep out a lot of what you just said, but I think you get the point that uh, this is not exactly the direction I want to go. Now, that being said, uh, I think you texted me something earlier that said you're you're basically done with the Eagles right now. I mean, as as of, as it stands currently, depending on what happens Thursday night, I'm pretty much done with. But but with here's, the NFL. here's the thing: what if you? Jump- I can't hear another thing about Tom Brady and Dan Deflategate either. I honestly want to walk around here with a noose. And- <laughs> okay. God. Um, I mean, seriously, can that thing die? It's been like three years in a row, two years in a row. Enough's enough. You're right. We get it. The deflate gate, get it. The deflate gate thing is is the old hit by the bus. Now, what if Carson Wentz becomes like this pro? What if he becomes Joe Flacco? You're not going to be happy with that? What, Joe Flacco? One Super Bowl and then... But that's one more Super Bowl than you've ever seen. That's fine. Yeah, okay. I'll, t- I'll trade him one Super Bowl and I'll eat the crow for it. But I got a pretty strong feeling I'm not going to have to eat any damn crow. I hear crow's not that tasty anyway. Uh, yeah, you throw a little hot sauce on it, you may, you know, make it taste all right. All right. Well, <laughs> avoiding your uh, <laughs> avoiding your cursing all over the place here, I do want to tap into your college football uh, brain a little bit. Take the Eagles aside. I yeah. want uh, a couple guys. Other than the, I mean, we all know the deal. Goff, Tunsil. Uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't even be that sold on golf. I think this is so. This is going to be, you know, part of my problem with the NFL and how they try to restructure teams, try to restructure their franchises through the draft. There's not a 
Andrew Luck right. or a Jameis Winston or a Cam Newton in this draft. So why are you forcing force feeding these two guys down our throats? Draft Laramie Tunzel, draft a Joey Bosa, draft a Jalen Ramsey, get those positions, and then in the third and fourth round, take a Christian Hackenberg, who I honestly think is gonna be a legit professional quarterback. I think he's gonna be an all pro type of guy and he's gonna be okay. I wish that's who the Eagles would take. So you're still in on you're still in on Hacker. You think Hackenberg's the best quarterback not named Goffer wins? Yeah, I would say he's probably. I, I like Paxton Lynch, but he was a little too inconsistent for me okay. uh, in terms of what I saw uh, on tape and stuff. As I'm Mike Mayock breaking down tape, not really. <laughs> um, but like when I watch games, like that's my thing. Like I'm not a huge like, oh, what was his passing percentage against the blah, blah blah. Like I can watch a game and I know if a, a player is a, a legit player or if he's a fraud. The eye and test. Hackenberg's a player. Yeah, the old eye test. That's all. You know, I'm just I'm a blue collar Philly guy, man. We're all about the eye test. So I watched Hackenberg a lot his first year, obviously, being an Ohio State fan. I'm all in on the Big Ten. And, you know, when he was under Bill O'Brien, he was a stud. He was going to be the number one overall pick if he came out. And now that he was under James Franklin, who is offensively challenged, and that's being putting it kindly, you know, he struggled a lot. And and Penn State didn't have any playmakers. They had a couple guys last year who did a couple things. But the year before that, two years ago, it was atrocious. So I actually felt bad for the kid, and you know he's not going to get any credit for sticking around at Penn State when he should have probably taken off like right. everyone else did. So that and and now people are saying, oh well, you know he threw his he threw James Franklin under the bus in the team interviews. Well, no, he's just being honest. God forbid in this PC world that we live in, somebody speaks to mind. So I'm all in. <laughs> Sign me up. All right, so you're rolling in, and I just want to rip through a call because I know we don't have all day here. You got to get back yeah. to work over the CBS Sports Network. A couple things. I know, we're taping a draft show right now. Don't tell my bosses that I'm on the phone. Right <laughs> here we go. Um, <laughs> you bring up Hackenberg. Your thoughts on Cardell Jones? Does he have any future in the NFL, or is that uh, just a waste you know, of a late pick? You know, I think you could take a flyer on him in the fifth or sixth, and you know, let him sit for two years because I think he's got the raw talent. Right, he's oh, got he's, a cannon, man. Yeah, he's a cannon. He's an athlete. You know, he. He was really inconsistent for Ohio State in the beginning of the year this year, and I was ready for him to be pulled. I don't think he should have started this year anyways. That's a whole different issue. It's JT Barrett's squad. But he caught fire two years ago at the end of the season and played some of the best football that you could have asked a guy who's been sitting on the bench for a couple of years to play. Uh, I think he has talent, and I think if he gets the right tutelage under a good quarterback's coach and he sits behind the guy for two or three years, I think you might be able to get something out of him. But it's just you got to keep him – focused uh, on you know getting his accuracy better because he gets a right. little wayward with his passes sometimes. And the decision-making is definitely something that you have to improve on. But I think raw ability-wise, I think that he has that talent to become a good quarterback. It's just a problem of, you know, if he goes and sits with, I don't know, pick a terrible uh, offense, I, I can't even... The Browns. Let's say he's the Browns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know about the Browns might be all right because Hugh Jackson. Yeah, that's true. He was a quarterback in guru. But you know, for pick your you know third tier NFL squad and put him on there, and he's gonna you know kind of wither away. So okay, and now listen, you're an Ohio State guy, so I, I trust you with the Ohio State stuff. Which yeah. of these two potential Ohio State top ten picks has a better career? Ezekiel Elliott over Bosa. Over Bosa. Ezekiel Elliott's gonna okay. be. He's a third down, ready to play right now, contribute consistently, 1,300-yard rusher, 400, you know, 600 yards receiving out of the backfield. I think he's a combined 2,000-plus 
yard uh, line from scrimmage type of guy. Right. See, me me personally, for my team, I don't want the Giants taking him at 10 if he fell because I think they have too many holes. But I think a team, for instance, like the Cowboys at four, behind that offensive line, I think that makes a lot of sense. Oh, my God. He would be – I would hate to have him in a division – but you know, since I'm kidding, you know, done with the Eagles, anyways, I might be all in. Uh, yeah, and or if you're a team like the Dolphins, who desperately need a running game in the worst way, and you have a couple young pieces there, I think he could be a really good fit in Miami as well. But I think, I think Bosa is going to be good. The problem is that everyone's comparing him to JJ Watt, and he's not JJ Watt. He's not that type of um, of overpowering pass rusher. He's more of a speed. You know, he has the upper body strength, obviously, and he can put his hand in the dirt and, and, and get grimy if he needs to. But I think he's more of kind of a speed edge guy who can give you a little shimmy shake here and there. Uh, but I think he's going to fall victim to the whole, well, this is what J.J. Watt did and right. you know, this whole culture that we've built around J.J. Watt. Okay, and now here's the last one I'm going to give you. Another potential for two top ten picks. Both have risk for different reasons. Who has the better career? Is it Miles Jack with the knee concern, or is it Leonard Floyd who still needs to be coached up a bit and we don't really know where exactly he's going to play on the field? I'll answer like this. Leonard who? Okay. So right. I'm a huge Miles Jack guy. I think all right, I'll give you a guy who's going to slip into the late round because of um, some injury concerns, but who was a top 10 pick, and now teams are going to be wayward on him. And I hope that the Eagles pick him up in the third round if he's still there. Jalen Smith See, is going to be an absolute freak in the NFL. You draft him now, you let him rehab 24-7 with a professional team for one year, and he will be an absolute stud as a linebacker in the NFL. See, and I'm I, all in on Miles Jack. Okay, so I, I, I'm all in on Miles Jack, too, as well. Floyd, I do think, is a bit of risk. And, and bringing up Jalen there, I think that makes a lot of sense, although I wouldn't be shocked if he makes it to day, you know, day three with the four, five, or six rounds. Because yeah. that many teams are down on him from what I'm reading. So, I mean, would you, would you get killed? Take, I think you might get killed taking him in the third round. I think you almost got to wait and be the first team that jumps in the fourth round. Uh, you know, I think we have two or three third-round picks this year, and we need a lot of help in a lot of places. With the Eagles. So, okay. With the, Eagle, with the Eagles, yeah. So, I would if, they, if the Eagles drafted him in the third round, I would not have a problem with that. You know what? Kenny, I'll, br- I'll, I'll do you one better. And I think, actually, you're making a lot of sense, and I'm thinking of this on the fly. The fact that they've traded their first-round pick next year might make sense mm-hmm. to take Jalen this year because he could be like their first-round pick next year exactly. when he's ready. That's he won't play this year. You let him rehab, and you know because you don't want to rush him back. Right. He's 22, 21-year-old kid. He had a major knee injury that was disgusting when I saw that live. Of course, uh, when he played Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl, and you feel bad for a kid like that because he is a top ten talent. But you know, kind of you know, happens sometimes. So you bring him in. You let him work with your rehab staff. You get him. You get his mind right. You get him physically ready, and then he's just going to come out and dominate in the in the year after. And like you said, he's like a first round pick in the uh, when he starts playing in 2017. That makes a lot of sense. Well, Kenny, I know you got to run. I know you got to get back. Thank you so much for joining. I know the listeners miss you. I know they miss uh, you calling me fat and all that good stuff. So uh, it's good to talk. Yeah, to you, you are looking a little slim down now. I've been on a hard. No, you're not. I'm just kidding. You're still fat. All right. All right. Well... <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, that that just happened. All right. Well, on that note, I uh, goodbye. I hope uh, I hope the Eagles fail miserably, and that's the end of it. Oh, they will. They will. They'll be four and twelve this year. Don't worry about it. All right. Well, if you guys are into the draft, Kenny's always a good follow on Twitter at kbrockjr, uh, especially if you like uncensored Twitter because he just goes off with the foul language these days. Uh, and you can follow yeah. me at MarazCBS. And uh, other than that, I guess uh, have a good weekend, everybody.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.